So we're looking at Mark chapter 4, this story of Jesus calming the sea. And again, the sermon series is Mark My Words. So the sermon titles have been Words of Jesus. So the sermon title this morning is Peace, Be Still. If I find a song that I like, I put it on repeat. Do any of the rest of you do this? If I find a song that I like, I'll just put it on repeat. Now, Lindsay's playlist is diverse across styles and genres and artists, but I can listen to the same song all day long. More than once, my children have asked me, Dad, why do you only listen to one song? (laughs) And I've got a song like that right now. I've got a song that I love right now. The song is, You Will Be Found. Some of you may have heard of that song before. It comes from a Broadway show. The Broadway show is Dear Evan Hansen. The composer and lyricist for the song also worked together on one of our family's favorite musicals, The Greatest Showman. And they worked together on this song, You Will Be Found. I've been listening to this song by uh, Christian artists Natalie Grant and Corey Asbury. And the song, You Will Be Found, opens with these lyrics which made me think of Mark's account of the storm on the Sea of Galilee and the disciples' terror in the midst of the storm. The song opens with these powerful lyrics. Have you ever felt like nobody was there? Have you ever felt forgotten in the middle of nowhere? Have you ever felt like you could disappear? Like you could fall and no one would hear? When we reach this point in Mark's gospel, Jesus' name and notoriety are growing. The crowds are pushing in on Jesus, literally. Chapter 3 of Mark's gospel tells us that Jesus is worried that he might be crushed by the multitude. And so he asks his disciples to get a boat ready for him. Here's how the message translation puts it. Jesus went off with his disciples to the sea to get away. But a huge crowd from Galilee trailed after them. Swarms of people who had heard the reports and had come to see for themselves. He told his disciples to get a boat ready so he wouldn't be trampled by the crowd. The boat is almost like another character in Mark's gospel. It becomes one of the members of the story of Mark's narrative. For instance, at the beginning of chapter 4, the gospel tells us that the boat becomes almost like a pulpit. Again, Jesus began to teach beside the sea Such a very large crowd gathered around him that he got into the boat on the sea and sat there. While the whole crowd was beside the sea on the land, he began to teach them. Jesus is teaching from the boat. It becomes like a pulpit for him. The crowd is pressing in against the seashore, and Jesus gets into the boat so he can be seen and heard. And when he's done teaching, Jesus instructs the disciples to head for the other side of the sea. And finally, it seems Jesus and his disciples are going to get that break and that separation 
that he's been looking for. And you know what happens next. You've heard the story from today already a couple of times. We've made a storm appear in this sanctuary. And many of you probably grew up hearing this story as well. A great storm comes up. Waves were beating the boat. Water was swamping into the boat. There was, according to Mark's gospel, a very real threat of sinking. It's a dramatic scene. In fact, Rembrandt captures this scene well in his 1633 painting, The Storm on the Sea of Galilee. This was one of Rembrandt's earliest and largest works. It's a five foot by four foot oil canvas. And it's Rembrandt's only seascape painting. I hope I get to see this painting in person one day. And I say that word hope intentionally because I hope to see this painting because this painting is actually missing. Did anyone know that? For many years, this Rembrandt painting was displayed in the Isabella Stewart Gardner Museum in Boston until March 18, 1990, when two thieves stole the storm on the Sea of Galilee along with a dozen other paintings from that museum. If you're interested, there's actually a Netflix documentary about this theft. It's titled, This is a Robbery, the World's Biggest Art Heist. I hope they find it, and I hope I get to see this painting in person one day, because it is a great way for us to be able to get a little bit of a sense of what that scene looked like. Our sermon series is about Jesus' words in the Gospel of Mark, and we'll get to Jesus' words in this story in just a minute, but I think we should first consider the disciples' words and their experience from this scene. They are scared. They're terrified. The storm is crashing into the boat. Water is pouring in, and Rembrandt conveys their terror well. Here are a couple of close-up shots of the disciples' faces in the midst of battling that storm and that canvas. And here's a second one as well. This second disciple, with his hand over his hat, is believed to be the face of Rembrandt himself. Rembrandt puts himself into the painting. He puts himself in the middle of the storm. That's kind of what I would like for us to try to do this morning, is to put ourselves into the scene, to put ourselves in the middle of this storm. What Mark tells us next is surprising. It's even somewhat of a humorous detail. Jesus is asleep through the storm. He's at the stern, asleep on a cushion. The message translation makes it even more clear. It says this, And Jesus was in the stern, head on a pillow, sleeping. Carrie Underwood sings a well-known song, Jesus, take the wheel. But Jesus is asleep at the wheel in this story. 
Mark has already told us Jesus was looking for that time away. He's looking for some separation. We know that the crowds have been pushing in against him, and he's exhausted. Before marrying Lindsay, I may have wondered if someone could actually sleep through a storm like that, but now I know some people can sleep through hurricanes. And we don't really know in this detail from Mark's gospel just how long the disciples let Jesus sleep. I like to try to imagine that they are attempting to navigate the storm on their own. They want to let Jesus rest if at all possible. But the wind is too strong. The waters are too high. They're pressing in to the boat. The disciples wake Jesus with a question. Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? I really like the way one commentator describes this scene. He writes, as the wind and the waves fill the boat with water, the disciples become fearful. They are sinking and they really might drown. In terror, they turn to Jesus who, calmly asleep on a cushion in the stern of the boat, is apparently unaware of their plight. They waken him with the words we often address to God. Do you not care? Have you ever asked God that question? Do you not care? God, do you not see what's going on here? God, can you hear me now? Can you help me? Do you not care? Remember those opening lyrics from my favorite song right now. Have you ever felt like nobody was there? Have you ever felt forgotten in the middle of nowhere? Have you ever felt like you could disappear, like you could fall? And no one would hear. When the disciples rouse Jesus, he gets up and he speaks up. In the Greek, he offers just two words. It's only two words in the original Greek. And both of them are imperatives. They're commands. Peace. Stillness. Be still. I like how the message translates Jesus' words it says, quiet, settle down. Mark tells us the wind ceased. Eugene Peterson in his translation writes, the wind ran out of breath. I like that a lot. The wind ran out of breath. There's no doubt that part of what Mark wants us to see in this story is Jesus' power. And his authority, power and authority over all of creation, stormy winds included. With two simple words from Jesus, the winds and the water settle down. We hear this point in the disciples' closing question. They ask at the end of this passage, who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? But I can't help but hear another point as well. 
In this series, Mark My Words, I'm struck by Jesus' two words. Siopa, peace. Pephimosa, be still. Those words in this story are not just for the winds. In the middle of our storms, those words are what we need to hear Jesus saying to us too. When we're fighting the winds and battling the beating waves, we can be convinced that we're in the struggle alone. We can be deceived or distracted into thinking that our struggle is going unnoticed and that our cries are going unheard. When I hear those words from Jesus in Mark's gospel, it makes me think of the psalmist's lyrics from Psalm 46. This psalm might be familiar to you. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth should change, though the mountains shake in the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble with its tumult. Be still and know that I am God. God is our refuge and strength, the psalmist writes, a very present help in trouble. Be still and know that I am God. Being still is a hard task for many of us. We race and run about our day fulfilling all our obligations and trying to take advantage of every opportunity. Being still is hard enough on a regular day. So what about those days when we feel like we're in the middle of a storm? In the middle of a storm, we fight and struggle, and sometimes we wonder, can God even hear our cries? We join with the disciples in this passage asking the question, God, do you not care? Kate Bowler, whom many of our women are going to hear speak on Tuesday in Greenville, has written a book of 100 Blessings for Imperfect Days. 100 Blessings for Imperfect Days. And one of those blessings in her new book is titled, A Blessing for When You Feel Forgotten by God. It can be a familiar experience. Many of you in this room can identify with that feeling. A blessing for when you feel forgotten by God. Mark 4 is that blessing. We need to hear Jesus' words from this chapter. We need to hear Jesus saying both to the storms outside and also to the storms inside of our hearts, peace, be still, quiet, settle down now. This story from Mark's gospel shows us that Jesus sought peace for himself. Did you make note of that? Jesus was looking for peace and separation for himself. He got into that boat to retreat from the crowds for a bit. And Mark tells us he was quickly snoozing in the back of the boat. I wish Mark had given us a timer on that. How long did it take Jesus to fall asleep once he finally got that separation? Once he finally got a little bit of retreat? 
Jesus needed peace himself. Jesus demands peace from the wind and the waves. And he also commands peace for that boat full of disciples. I don't know all that you've been up against this week. I don't know all that you have on deck for the week ahead. But I bet some of you in this room are feeling the stormy waves. I bet some of you are experiencing water crashing into your boat. And I just want you to be able to hear a blessing from this story. I want you to hear some of the good news from Mark 4. I'll say it on repeat if I need to. I'll sing this song all day long if it needs to be sung. So hear this good news. Jesus' words of peace are not just for the wind and the waves. His peace is for the terrified disciples as well. And Jesus' two simple words in Mark 4, verse 39, are for all of us too. Siopa, pepimosa, peace. Be still. Let's pray. Good God, it is hard to hear you a lot of times. Sometimes it's hard to believe that you hear us. We wonder, like the disciples in this story, if you're paying attention, if you care. And so this morning, we thank you that your words to the storm are not just for the howling winds and hounding waves. They are also for our hearts. Good God, you speak peace into our lives. You want us to experience the gift of stillness in your presence with us. Many of us, even today, are seeing storms on the horizon. We may even see the wind picking up right now. But we thank you that your words are powerful and your provision is beautiful. And so help us to trust your faithful presence with us, even in the storms. Help us remember that even when the wind picks up, you are in the boat with us. These things we pray in the name of the one who says, peace, be still. We pray in the name of Jesus, who taught us to pray together, saying, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.